And I'm loading up my shotgun Double barrel, double lot I'm gonna find old Joey And we're gonna, gonna have a talk now He and Mr. Winchester Should get along quite well But if they don't As you come further east then, you pass the launch track, and then you come, come into what's known as the Thurman Hill. That uh, was a 50-acre tract of land that Big Cave Road runs through it now and had a little old house on it. And Pearl Brusk had uh, originally been married uh, to uh, a man named Thurman. Now, uh, the Pearl Brusk was one of the Tucker girls. Old man Tucker and his wife had several daughters. And uh, I'll mention as we go along uh, who they are. The Short Boy's mother was one, and the Reese and Pierce Boy's mother, Ann Pierce, was a Tucker girl. And old man Jim Plumley's a... a, a, a wife was a Tucker girl, and there were four or five of those Tucker girls, and uh, those families were all kin to each other on account of that connection. But anyway, <clears throat> Pearl Brusk had married this fellow Thurman, and she had a, ch a child by him, and there was a boy named Ernest Thurman, and Ernest was about, I'd say, five to ten years younger than me. And uh, uh, when I first started working out there in 29 to 30 of buying land, well, he came to me and wanted to trade me his 50 acres of land there. His mother uh, was married to Albert Brusk at that time, and, and she wanted Ernest, he was bootlegging, and she wanted him to put in a, a little dance pavilion across from on the south side of the BK Road, about where Knollwood is now, the street Knollwood is. And so they are going to trade me this 50 acres of land for $50 worth of lumber that I had uh, credit for down at the Calcasieu Lumber Company, and they did. I got 50 acres of land with a house on it for $50 worth of lumber. And that was a good bargain. But anyway, I got acquainted with Pearl Brusk, and, and her, her Pearl sister was laid, laid young, I believe. No, she wasn't laid young. Uh, it was a, nephew, a niece. But anyway, I want to tell about, uh, about Ernest Thurman. At the time I first met them, the first time I run into them, well, uh, I was still going to law school, so it must have been about 27 or 28. And one afternoon, well, uh, Albert Brusk came over to our home in a and uh, Papa was home about 5 o'clock, and Albert said that he had just killed one of the young boys. But anyway, on this particular occasion, uh, Albert Brusk and Pearl lived on Evergreen Street, which is a little street that uh, runs just east of where Lamar Street is now, just about where West Mary comes out on there. And uh, uh, Ernest was his stepson, and Ernest had a bad habit of when he ran out of money, well, he'd come out and threaten Albert to, uh, to make him give him some money. And Albert was a very industrious man and always worked hard, and Pearl Brush did too. They worked hard and they saved their money, but Ernest was a spoiled child. And so on one occasion, he had an old Model T Ford without any top to it. And uh, there's no boy named Jim Young or, or Tom Young. Uh, well, I'll take up the whole Young family in a little while, but, but a name that doesn't make any difference. I'll get them straightened out later on. But if either Jim or Tom Young was going out there with with uh, Ernest Thurman to talk to Albert. So he told uh, the, the young boy, and, and he got out there. Well, uh, uh, Albert, the background was that uh, Albert had been threatened by Ernest, and he said that he was going to come out there and kill him. So Albert had his shotgun right inside the door so that if Ernest ever come out there, well, uh, he could get it out and take a shot at old Ernest and at least have a fair sh a sh shot with him because Ernest was really a good knife man. Ernest was great at cutting people up and he'd cut up several people and Albert knew he was dangerous and that uh, he'd, uh, there was bad blood between them. 
Well, anyway, on this occasion, well, uh, this old young boy was driving this Model T Ford, and they drove up in front of Albert's house, and, and uh, Ernest got off on, and, uh, on the opposite side of the driver, and, and uh, that left Young on the side where, where Albert was going to be. So Ernest uh, starts through the gate, and Albert sees him coming, and he knows that he, he oughtn't to let Ernest get close enough to him to cut him, so he grabs his shotgun and opens up the door, and, and of course, uh, Ernest thought what was happening right quick, so he ran real hard and got around on the opposite side of the old Model T Ford, uh, so Albert couldn't shoot him. He was using the car as a, as a barrier, and Albert cut down on this old young boy, and he'd like cut him half in two. Well, after he shot the shotgun, old Ernest, he ran off out in the woods, and he had that before they had the, the uh, uh, Lamar uh, Boulevard there. So then uh, Albert called the law, and they uh, let him come over and talk to Papa. Papa was his attorney, and they brought the old car over there for some reason. They evidently took Young's body to town, but I remember seeing the old car. It looked like it. It was evidently buckshot that he shot with because it had holes all in it. Of course, there's blood under the driver's, under the wheel there. And so then that's where I first heard about Ernest Sermon. And they didn't indict Albert for that, of course, because it was an assault at his home and, and it was uh, both of them were bad boys. And so they let that go. Then there was a time when uh, Ernest had taken up a camp out on, on Onion Creek on the, the north side of Onion Creek right there across the road from, I mean, across the creek from where uh, my brother Polk's place is now. And he just camping out there with two other boys, and, and the Smith boys, Gilbert Smith and the other Smith boys, lived in uh, theirs at the store on the, on the, the uh, east side of Onion Creek, and they'd go down and hunt uh, killdees and things like that on Onion Creek on occasion. And one day Gilbert Smith uh, was down shooting uh, uh, killdees down on a, a little flat there on Onion Creek, and, and Ernest and these other two boys were up at their camp, and they always had rifles, and uh, evidently, and I'm saying this from here, because I know what happened uh, from what they told me, but uh, they never did get to the law. One of them said, uh, Ernest, said, I bet you can't hit that old boy down there. It's about 300 yards away, and maybe further than that. And Ernest said, I bet I can. So he lifted up his 30-30 and took a shot, and damn if he didn't hit, he was right in the middle of the back, and, and uh, he, uh, he almost died. Of course, they got him to the doctor, and Dr. Will Watt was able to save his life, and of course, as soon as they shot and saw the boy fall, they, these boys just took out and hid and run off and hid somewhere and hid their rifles, and so they couldn't get any uh, evidence on them. But they found out, the law did, that Ernest Thurman had his camp up there, and so they, they just tied it in to him because they knew he was capable of something like that. So they arrested him, put him in jail, and oh, uh, uh, Pearl Brush was his mother, so she came to get me to go see her about her baby. So I went up to, to the uh, jail and he wouldn't tell me what he did he wouldn't say he did do it but he let me understand that if he, that one of those other two boys accused him of doing it that they was gonna, he's going to kill him. and they knew that so they didn't testify I mean they wouldn't turn state's evidence and he didn't either but he, they wouldn't let him out on bond because at that time Gilbert was still in the hospital and it might have been a death and if it had been death it had been murder as it was they just filed on him for assault with intent to murder and they had him in jail on that without bond but after about a week well, I went back up to see uh, Ernest in the jail and he was bent over like his back was hurting him real bad. And in those days and time, the sheriff would had a habit in order to get a confession. Well, not a habit, but he had a, a practice of, of a tying uh, a defendant up by his thumbs to the rafters of the jail or some high place there to where his feet just barely could touch the floor, just toes. And after he stood in that suspended position for a little while, it was a whole lot like the old rack in the Inquisition times. It is conducive to a man spitting his gut, so to say, and making a confession. And uh, they'd confessed to things they didn't do after uh, an hour or so hanging by your thumbs like that. And I figured, I knew the sheriff was capable of doing that. And uh, so I asked him, and I said, Ernie, the, 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 well, what's wrong with your back? And he just said he had a, a bad back. And I said, well, did the sheriff hang you up by your thumbs to try to get a confession? And his eyes kind of narrowed a little bit, and he said, no. 
and he said, if the son of a bitch had, he'd, he'd better about, about ever quit being sheriff. And he meant that, too. In other words, he had a little respect for him as long as he's sheriff, but if he ever mistreated him like that, he'd have killed him when he got out, and I'm sure he would have done it. Well, Gilbert Smith got over it and didn't die, and he's living now, and Earn's not. But anyway, they couldn't make a case out with the evidence they had. They had no motive whatsoever, and so they had to let Earn go. Well, anyway, Earn took this to... $50 worth of blocking uh, lumber that I traded to him for that land, and he built him a little pavilion across on, uh, on the Brown Tractor land, which is directly across the road from the county line now. And he started to selling his whiskey there and having little dances at night, and, and uh, they camped there. They had a tent right next to it, and Albert Bruskin, he had made up in the meantime, and Pearl and Albert were living out there and helping earn run this, uh, this business, but in the meantime, Albert was working. He was a good worker. Well, it so happened that one night, uh, up at the Roy Ranch, which was about a quarter of a mile on up BK Road. Uh, uh, Rob Roy was living there with Bob Ringstaff. And uh, they'd have a country dance out that way once in a while, and the boys would all get together, and, and the girls, and they'd do a little bootlegging as for uh, during Prohibition times. And So Albert went over there to the dance, and so, was, so did uh, the whole gang, and, and, and Ern was there too. And during the course of the evening, well, Ern let it be known that he had, he had mad at Albert. Every time he'd get to drinking a little bit, then he'd get mad at Albert because he figured he'd whip him. So he told the people that he was going to give old Albert a good cutting before the night was over and they was going to have a little entertainment. Well, Albert knew that when uh, Ern was drinking that he was serious about it, so he found the first opportunity he could, and he, he slept out of the dance and walked on down to, 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 his, uh, to his tent down there where the pavilion was, and, and he got his thirty uh, thirty rifle and, he started on to town. He thought he'd go on to town and, and hide until uh, Ern got sobered up the next day before he come back out there. Uh, they'd be good friends then. But uh, Ern noticed that, uh, that Albert was missing in about 15 minutes, so he got old Bill Trogdon. Bill Trogdon was kin to these people somehow or another, and Bill lived out on Onion Creek. And used to do, I used to do my airhead hunting at his farm out there. That's where the Onion Creek golf course is now. But old Bill Trogdon was out there, and he was a-drinking, and, and Ern missed Albert. And he, he, he prevailed upon Bill to take his old Model T Ford, just exactly the kind of an automobile that he had gotten young killed in, in, in a few years before that. And he told Bill that he wanted to go down to the, to the pavilion and wanted Bill to drive him down there. Well, uh, Bill didn't know what he was getting into, so he said, all right. And so Ern got in the, out their car with Bill. Bill was driving, and they got down to the, to the tent, and, uh, and they didn't run on. Ernest got out and went in the tent and found out that Albert had been there before him because Albert's rifle was gone. So he picked up his rifle and he decided that he'd ride on down and see if he could see Albert on the side of the road walking to town and he'd take a shot at him. So they got back in the car and Bill drove about 100 yards down to where the entrance to Nowood is now. Anyway, Albert was uh, standing there in the bar ditch and Ernest was standing behind these lights and Bill Trogdon was half drunk uh, in the car and the car was still. Well, uh, Ernest had shot, and he hit Albert right in the groin and knocked him down in the bar ditch. Well, Albert knew that the shots were coming from that car, and so laying in the bar ditch wounded, he started fanning his gun, shooting it as fast as he could toward these car lights. Well, old Bill Trogdon wasn't so drunk that he knew he was supposed to move, so he backed up, and when he backed up to get turned around, he threw his lights on Ernest standing out in the bar ditch on the, on the south side of the road. And Albert shot him through the neck and killed him. And that was the end of Ernest Thurman. And, of course, uh, they, uh, on view of the circumstances, they, uh, the grand jury did not indict Albert nor cause him any further trouble in the matter. Of course, after Albert had killed Pearl's baby, her little boy, well, she divorced him and couldn't live with him any longer, and she later on married uh, a boy named Wimberley. There's one story I didn't tell about Ernest. Later on, before his death there, well, 
And uh, when he had his little old pavilion going on down there, his dance pavilion, well, uh, Mervyn Ash had uh, bought the property, or leased the property, I think he bought it, where the uh, county line is now. And he opened up the Cedarcrest nightclub. And uh, he didn't want to, Ernest to burn him down. And, and he's, in a way, he was in competition with him because Ernest was uh, taking care of one crowd and uh, Mervyn was taking care of another crowd. And I asked Mervyn when he opened up the Cedarcrest, I said, how are you going to keep these hillbillies from coming up here and taking you over? And if you do, the, the town people are not going to come out here and gamble with you and, 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 and stay around here. Well, he said the only way, the best way to do that is just to put a napkin on the table and a tablecloth. Well, that was the way to scare them off. But we hired... Ernest to kind of be our night watchman, and he was to come up there at about 11 o'clock at night and, and uh, stay there till about 3 o'clock in the morning and, and see that nobody broke in the place. And, of course, we figured that being on his honor, well, he wouldn't rob it himself and that he wouldn't set it on fire. Well, about the second week that Albert, I mean, that Ernest was acting as night watchman, uh, he come and talked to me. He said, Mr. Demet, he said, you know, a lot of these folks come up here and they get drunk and they get out in the woods or go out in the car and, and then uh, they leave their coats inside here and, and when, when we close up, they come back and they're rummaging around in these windows and doors. He said, how far have I got to let them go before I, I got a right to shoot them? Well, I said, now, Ernest, you're up here to, to keep the peace. You're not up here to cause trouble. I said, these people get drunk on Mr. Ash's whiskey. You're supposed to take care of them just like they're part of your family. But that's the way he thought. And so uh, we got out of that without him doing any harm. And, and uh, he never did catch on the idea that we was taking trade away from him or might be taking some trade away from him and hit a little bootlegging adventure across the, creek, uh, across the road over there. And I'm loading up my shotgun, double barrel, double lock. I'm gonna find old Joe, and we're gonna, gonna have a talk now. He and Mr. Winchester should get along quite well. But if they don't, B.J., I'm going to find old Joe. I'm going to give him a 12-gauge education. <laughs> Teach him about life. 